As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Broadcasting across the United States, Canada, and around the world, this is the Bible Answer Man broadcast. Your host for the program is Hank Hanegraaff, president of the Christian Research Institute. We're on the air because life and truth matter. This is a live call-in program, so dial 888-ASK-HANK to ask your question now. Again, that's 888-275-4265. To start today's Bible Answer Man broadcast, here's your host, Hank Hanegraaff. And thank you very much, Randy. You can also contact us via the mail at Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. I do hope that you enjoyed my series of broadcasts uh, that included my guest, Luke Goodrich, and his book, Free to Believe, The Battle Over Religious Liberty in America. You know, Luke has such a blend of unforgettable stories and very, very crisp legal arguments and, and of course, a faithful attention to the Word of God. And so what you have in this book is a legal insider's perspective on the most serious threats to religious freedom, and not only what they are, but how to respond with, with wisdom and with grace, and even more importantly, knowing how you can join the battle over religious liberty, not in fear, but with a joyous confidence in the hope of the gospel. This book, Free to Believe, a must for every Christian's library, particularly in this epoch of time. So your, your book available for your support, check it out on the web at equip.org. I want to start the broadcast today by broaching a question that may be the most important of all questions. That question, what must I do to be saved? And I asked that question, or I posed that question at the opening of this Bible Answer Man broadcast, because no one gets out of the world alive. And thus, this is beyond a doubt the most significant question you can ever ask yourself. In fact, this is precisely the question that was asked by the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. Remember in that story, Paul and Silas respond to this question, what must I do to be saved by saying, 
believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. So after hearing the word of the Lord, the jailer believed and he was baptized. The word of the Lord proclaimed by St. Paul happens to be the very message proclaimed by St. Peter at Pentecost. Remember where St. Peter says, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Through repentance, we renounce our old life of carnality. And through baptism, we're raised to newness of life in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in the new life, we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. So three points here. The first of which is that we who believe and are baptized may rightly say that we have been saved. A familiar verse most of you have memorized, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For for we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works good works which Christ prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So grace is the pure gift of God. Faith, faith is the means by which we receive the treasure trove of grace. And good works, well, good works are evidence that the pearl of our faith is a genuine pearl. Our works flow forth from authentic faith. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So, we have been saved. Secondly, we are being saved. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved It's the power of God. The point here is that that salvation is not static. Salvation is active. It's not punctiliar. It's a process. It's not merely a decision. It's a decided way of living. It's a way of living by which we're transformed from one glory to another. To believe that to be baptized is to be born anew, into a body of which Christ is the head. And in that sense, the church may well be said to be the center of the universe. We can say that the church is the very sphere within which union with God takes place, takes place in the present life. The the union which will be consummated in the age to come. After the resurrection of the dead, it's the, it's the reincarnation of Eden. It's the place in which you and I may as yet access the tree of life 
the tree that is replete with its Eucharistic bounty, a bounty by which our nature is unified with Christ and with other Christians. So you, you have the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. You have the tree of life in the eternal garden. You see it in Revelation chapter 2. But the tree of life replete with its Eucharistic bounty stands on Golgotha's hill. On it, the pure body, the precious blood of Jesus Christ becomes available to us to partake in, to be nourished by. It is that very truth by which we might rightly say we are being saved. So we have been saved, we're being saved, and thirdly, we will be saved. Having been justified by his blood, Paul says, we shall be saved from wrath through Christ. The coming culmination of salvation, it's not just an empty hope, but it is a settled expectation. We know, says the Apostle Paul, that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the very present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons for the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, says Paul, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, if we wait for it patiently, then we can rightly say we will be saved. And, and we say that because salvation is a lifetime journey, a journey that is replete with ebbs and with flows, replete with growth and with stagnation, with mountaintop experiences in those deep, dark valleys. And yet... And yet we can rightly praise God for the confidence that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So we are, we are those who have been saved. We are those who are being saved. And we will be saved. Uh, I just did a video on this very subject. It'll be up shortly on the uh, Bible Answer Man YouTube channel, where a lot of new videos are being posted on a regular basis. I've been busy. Uh, again, you can check them out on the web at equip.org. Remember, it's the Bible Answer Man YouTube channel. You can also see a lot of my podcasts. There's so many new ones available on the web at equip.org. And as we go to break, do you remember the number to dial to get your questions answered on the Bible Answer Man broadcast, 888-ASK-HANK. And my thanks for all of you who stand shoulder to shoulder with me in the battle for life and truth. Narrow sets of interests now dominate the agenda as society becomes more and more tribal. 
Readers of all political persuasions cannot afford to ignore Douglas Murray's book, The Madness of Crowds. Murray seeks to inject common sense into the discussion around this generation's most complicated issues and makes an impassioned plea for free speech, shared common values, and sanity in an age increasingly marked by mass hysteria. Writing from the point of view of an openly gay non-Christian, his concerns unexpectedly resonate with those of Christians. To receive your copy of The Madness of Crowds, Gender, Race, and Identity, call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit us at equip.org. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back with more answers from The Bible Answer Man. Many Americans feel their religious freedom is under attack. They see the culture changing and fear their beliefs will soon be punished as a form of bigotry. Others think these fears are overblown and say Christians should stop complaining about imaginary persecution. In Free to Believe, leading religious freedom attorney Luke Goodrich combines frontline experience with faithful attention to Scripture to show why religious freedom matters, how it is threatened, and how to protect it. With penetrating insights on gay rights, abortion, Islam, and the public square, Goodrich argues that threats to religious freedom are real, but they might not be quite what you think. To receive your copy of Free to Believe, The Battle Over Religious Liberty in America, call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit us at equip.org. A deeper understanding of the Bible's principles and truths will improve the spiritual, moral, and ethical problems facing our nation. Yet the obstacle isn't that the Bible doesn't speak to our greatest needs or answer our deepest questions. It's that the average person lacks the time and tools to extract the answers. That's why Hank Hanegraaff wrote the complete Bible Answer Book Collector's Edition, revised and updated. This expanded edition addresses over 210 of the top questions he's received as host of the Bible Answer Man broadcast. Hank has taken the complex and made it simple and memorable. Receive the revised and updated complete Bible Answer Book as our thank you for your gift by calling 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support CRI's life-changing outreaches. 888-7000-CRI or visit equip.org that's equip.org. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles that equip you to exercise truth and experience life. Here's what's in the current special double issue of the Christian Research Journal. Because questions remain about the earliest moments of the universe, scientists offer speculative alternatives to our universe having an actual beginning. Nevertheless, the science that is known to be true provides abundant evidence that the universe came into being a finite time ago, just as the Bible teaches. Other topics include how Dante's Inferno can help explain hell to modern seekers, Christian apologetics in a nutshell, John Chrysostom, the Golden Mouth Preacher, Christian imagination and the problem of horrendous evil, and much, much more. 
Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today by calling 888-7000-CRI, 888-7000-CRI, or subscribe online at equip.org. That's equip.org. Now back to the Bible Answer Man broadcast and your host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. I want to uh, deal with a question that is coming up more and more frequently as people are involved in a game called Pin the Tail on the Antichrist. Of course, this has been going on for a long period of time, and I've been talking about this on the Bible Answer Man broadcast for probably over 30, 35 years. But now, particularly in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, people are looking to see if they can determine who the Antichrist is. You'll remember that there were times in which we had him nailed. The Antichrist is Gorbachev. We know that for sure because he has the mark on his forehead. And then, of course, there were all kinds of other people who were, well, who were unfortunately, maybe unfortunately is not a strong enough word, identified as, as Antichrist. And this has been done throughout the centuries. And I think because this game has become so prevalent in Christian circles, it's important to note what John says when he says, little children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming even now, many antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. And then John says, they, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they may be made manifest that none of them were of us. In this context, for many centuries, there was this speculation of who the Antichrist would be. This speculation both in the Old and in the New Testament. And of course, there emerged an Antichrist in the Old Testament, undeniably an Antichrist. And that Antichrist, Antiochus IV Epiphanes, who desecrated the sacred temple. And if it had not been for the valor of Judas Maccabeus, something celebrated at Hanukkah, the temple would not only have been desecrated, but manifestly destroyed. In the present, there are all kinds of likely candidates you know, there are princes and popes and presidents and world leaders. But rather than join this sensationalistic game, the game of trying to identify Antichrist, all we have to do is go to the Bible. And if we do, we find that the Apostle John exposed the identity of Antichrist when he wrote, Who is the liar? It's the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. And then he says, such a man, well, such a man 
is Antichrist. That man, that man denies the Father and the Son. And no one who denies the Son has the Father, but whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. In his second epistle, remember John gives a very, very similar warning when he says that many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and is and is the Antichrist. Second point, and that is that, that John taught that all who deny the incarnation, all who deny the messianic role, all who deny the deity of Jesus Christ are instances of Antichrist. And as such, the term Antichrist refers not only to the apostasy of individuals, but also to the apostasy of individuals and ideologies as well. And in that sense, institutions such as modern-day cults and world religions, as well as ideologies such as evolutionism and communism, can rightly, can rightly be considered Antichrist. One final point. In the book of Revelation, John identified both an individual and an institution that represent the ultimate manifestation of evil. In other words, the archetypal Antichrist. And John referred to this archetypal Antichrist as a beast, a beast who deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He was drawing on Daniel's apocalyptic depiction of evil world powers. And so John describes an emperor, an emperor in his own epoch of time, who arrogantly set himself and his empire against God, violently, persecuted the saints, grossly violated the commandments through a long litany of disgusting demonstrations of depravity, not the least of which was his demand to be worshipped as Lord and God, which virtually all the Caesars did. So who is the Antichrist? He who denies the Father and the Son. Those are instances of Antichrist. And of course, the apostasy of individuals and the apostasy of institutions and ideologies as well can be considered Antichrist. And, and of course, there was an archetypal Antichrist, a beast, a beast who deceived the inhabitants of the earth, a beast, a beast that was depicted in seven letters to seven churches and the epicenter of a Caesar call. Let's go back to the phone lines or go to the phone lines. Talk to Tim in British Columbia, Canada, listening on KARI. Hi, Tim. Um, hi, Hank. I was wondering, why are all good deeds done by non-believers, even if they're done out of the goodness of their heart, why are they worthless in the eyes of God? And why are they meaningless to God? 
Well, they're not meaningless. Uh, good works are, are, are the kinds of things that if you've done these to the least of these, you've done them unto me in the words of Jesus. So whatever does not proceed from faith, of course, is sin. But you also have to remember that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, the Apostle Paul says that all must be done for the glory of God. So deeds that are done uh, to help other people are always worthwhile because you're helping people who are made in the image and likeness of God. But obviously, it's not only doing something as a good deed, it is doing something as a good deed for the right purposes. And without faith, therefore, it is impossible to please God. So if we do not do what we do in terms of good works in faith, then those works are not pleasing to God in that sense. But remember that when good things are done for people who are downtrodden and poor, we ought to rejoice that those who are made in the image and likeness of God are being helped. Okay, thank you. You got it. Thank you so much for your call. And uh, what, a, what a great reminder that, that we, are, we are called as Christians to, to do works of righteousness. I mean, we are called as Christians. This is one of the things that I was talking about uh, earlier on in the broadcast. We're God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And we're created for good works, which Christ prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So as I said before, grace is a pure gift of God. And faith, the means by which we receive the treasure trove of grace. And good works are evidence that the pearl of our faith is genuine. So our works flow forth from authentic faith. And that's made plain by the Apostle John, who says that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. In the book of James, you know, the devil fears and trembles. Uh, why? Because he knows who Jesus Christ is. But faith without works is dead. And that whole letter ought to be read in its entirety. So you don't just get the bits and pieces, the two that I just left in connected or unconnected in isolation, but you learn how to connect the entirety of the letter, not only to itself, reading scripture in light of scripture, but also to the rest of scripture as well. Out of time for this edition, of the Bible Answer Man broadcast here from Monday through Friday at this time. Your questions answered live when you dive. Now, Triple Eight Ask Hank. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time with more of the show. Thank you for joining us for the Bible Answer Man broadcast. If you'd like more information about the Christian Research Institute or to order resources, just call 888 7000 CRI. That's 888-7000-274. Or visit equip.org where you can listen live or download archived broadcasts. 
Again, that's equip.org. You can also write to us at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is supported solely by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. Many Americans feel their religious freedom is under attack. They see the culture changing and fear their beliefs will soon be punished as a form of bigotry. Others think these fears are overblown and say Christians should stop complaining about imaginary persecution. In Free to Believe, leading religious freedom attorney Luke Goodrich combines frontline experience with faithful attention to Scripture to show why religious freedom matters, how it is threatened, and how to protect it. With penetrating insights on gay rights, abortion, Islam, and the public square, Goodrich argues that threats to religious freedom are real, but they might not be quite what you think. To receive your copy of Free to Believe, The Battle Over Religious Liberty in America, call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit us at equip.org.